Once again, thank you so much for joining us today and thank you for being with us. My name is Abraham Manasse. And in case you want to contact me or, you know, to access all our previous uh, podcasts, you can go to drmanasse.org or drmanasse.com. Then you'll be able to get all the previous uh, studies that we have done or the previous sessions that we, we had or the Bible studies that we had. Today I want us to focus on a very serious subject. This is so serious that Jesus also you know, he made sure that he talks about it uh, before he left. I want to talk about being a witness. Being a witness. And when I talk about being a witness, I'm talking about us being a witness for the Lord. And our core message, and we're going to close with this uh, later, our core message is come and see. That should be the core of our message come and see I'm going to talk about three things number one if you want to be a witness you have to develop what you call a rapport what what you mean here is you have to develop trust or you must have a certain level of integrity this, this is so helpful when you want to be a witness you cannot be a witness if nobody trusts you people will only believe what you say when they see you leave, what you tell them. And number two, we're going to talk about being relevant. Being relevant. Being relevant means people can uh, people can understand what you are saying. They would understand your language. They would understand what you're talking about. So you are being relevant. You are being relevant. Or speaking the message in such a way that anybody can understand you. And the last one I'm going to talk about, point them to Jesus. Point the people to Jesus. Not to, uh, to yourself, not to any prophet, not to any pastor. Our center of our message or the center of our Christianity is Jesus Christ. So we should point people to, to Jesus. Let's look at the uh, developing the rapport or integrity. If you look in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 5 verse 16, Jesus said something very, very important. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. He says, let your light so shine before men. Let people see your light. When they see your light, and the light here, he says, this means good works. When you are a Christian, you must be a good person. You can't be a Christian and be rude. You can't be a Christian and be bitter. You can't be a Christian and mistreat people. So Jesus says, when people see your good works, when they see you, that you are a good man. And people will you know, will glorify God. They will say, look at these Christians. Look at how they behave. These are good people. And from there, because you are representing the Father, they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. And this happens also even in our daily lives. You know, when you have a, a son or a boy or a, a, a child who is doing well at school, 
or in the community. Everybody wants to know whose son is this? Whose child is this? Whose daughter is this? Because the person or the young man or the young girl is excelling at school. So for us to develop a certain level of integrity, when we have to represent Christ, we have, we have to do what God tells us to do. Do not only talk the talk, but you should walk the talk. Whatever you are saying, you should live it. Christianity is a lifestyle. We have to live what we say. We have to lead what, what we say. You know, we should not be like a crab. A crab, the other time, there is this crab that had uh, the baby crabs. And as they were following her, she looks back and she saw them walking sideways. And she stopped and said, you guys, I want you to start walking straight. Don't, don't walk, walk sideways. You have to start walking straight. And one of the little ones asked, Mommy, we want to walk straight. Can you please show us how to do it? And, and the crab started to walk. Unfortunately, the, 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 the crab was also walking sideways. And that's not how we should be as Christians. We should not tell people the right way, whereas we walk the wrong way. So our lives are more influential than our talk or our preaching. Our lives must represent Christ. Everywhere we go, we should know that we represent Christ. So integrity simply means one. Actually, it comes from integer. Integer, it means it's just one number. It's a whole number. You cannot divide it. It's just one number. What it means is, if it's one number, uh, in other words, it's, it's, it's the whole, it's one. You know, sometimes I laugh when I hear politicians, uh, when, when you start to, to check their lifestyle and the way they live, and they will say, oh, by the way, this is my private life. Well, as a Christian, you don't have that privilege. Your private life and your public life should be one. You must be a man of integrity. You must be one. Whether you are in darkness or you are in light, whether it's during the day or it's at night, you must be one. That's why integrity is very, very important. You don't only do the right thing when people are watching. You do the right thing even when people are not watching. Your character is very important when it comes to being a witness. If you want to be a true witness of Christ, your character must be the same everywhere. When you talk of a character, you know, for example, A, it's a character. I've been to quite a number of countries. You know, I've been to Zimbabwe, I think, three or four times. I've been to Mozambique, I think, about seven times or so. I've been to quite a number of countries, Malawi, you know, all those places. And what I've noticed is when I go to, uh, to Zimbabwe, A, it's A. When I go to Brazil, B is B. When I go to, to Cape Town, C is C. When I, when I go to Dubai, D is D. When I go to Durban, B is B. And that's why they are called characters. And those characters, they do not change depending on where they are. 
The character remains the same wherever it is. And as witnesses, we should be men of character. You should be the same wherever you go, whether you are in the US, whether you are in London, whether you are in, in Ghana, you are still the same. Whether you are in Johannesburg, you are still the same. Whether you are in Guiana, you are still the same. Whether you are in Bushburg Ridge, you are still the same. Whether you are in Congo, you are still the same. Everywhere you are, you are still the same. That's what we mean by a character. You are a, your character does not change. Whether it's during the day or it's at night, you are still the same. So integrity is very, very important. We should remain the same wherever we are. The Bible says when people see those good works, when they see what you represent, then they will be attracted to glorify the Father. You know, sometimes I ask myself as to how many people may lose heaven just because I misrepresented Christ. Some of you, you live in areas where when people look at you, they see a pastor. You are the closest person or the closest pastor that they could get to. So wherever you are, you are representing Christ. May God help us to be men of character, men of integrity. You know, when we we represent Christ, we have to focus on giving people what they need. When we witness, let's give them what they need, not what we need. It's not about us. And sometimes that's the challenge that we, we see. That people give you what you do not need. You, they give you what they feel you need. You know, it's, it's like some of the people who sell uh, the insurance policies. They know which one uh, which product gives them uh, more money? It gives them more return. And what they will do when they go out, they sell you only those policies that they know that it will benefit them. It will give them a higher commission. We, we should not be like that as Christians. When you go out, you represent God. Because even God he gives us what we need. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 9. Jesus says, You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. Verse 11. So if you, sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father or your Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him so when we when we meet people who have needs when we are witnesses we, we should represent god who should give people what they need at that point you know i i read an article it talked about a certain guy or a certain gentleman you know he moved uh, they moved a, a young man. He moved next to him. Uh, he, he rented an apartment next to him. And this young man, he lost his job. And he did not have a job. And this gentleman, it's a Christian. This young man was not a Christian. So instead of this 
uh, this man started to uh, to preach to this young man. Or instead of uh, sharing the word of God with this young man, what he did, he helped him find a job. He helped him find a job. Because at that point, that's what he needed. So even if you tried to preach to him, he would not listen to you. People would not listen to you with empty stomachs. And after he found a job, some few months later, he started going with him to church. He joined him and said, I want to go to church with you. And he was finally saved. Even, even the, the young girl that he wanted to, uh, to marry, she finally also accepted Christ and they finally got married. That's what I mean when I say, give people what they need at that point. Sometimes we become irrelevant because we give people what they do not need at that point. Let's look at Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It, it speaks about us being witnesses. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Being a witness, you know, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a lawyer and, uh, or a judge or anything like that. I don't work in, the, in that environment, the legal fraternity. The closest that I got to was when I was asked to be uh, part of the jury uh, here in, in Riverside next to Los Angeles. So I was, I was a jury. And one of the instructions that they gave us was, we, we disregard anybody who claims to be a witness but was not part of the, uh, of the incident or did not see what happened. Being a witness means you are part of the process. You, you were there when it happened. You cannot be a witness. They cannot even accept you to be a witness in the court of law if you say, no, I heard my brother talks about it or I heard my sister talk about it or I, I, I read uh, from the newspaper or I saw it on TV or I heard it from the radio. You, you can't be a witness that way. Being a witness means you are part of, you saw it, you witnessed it. You witnessed it. So Jesus says, when he says, you will be my witnesses. In other words, you will experience it. You will be part of it. You will be part of it. So, when we witness, we witness about Jesus with our lives. We are part of what, what we are talking about. We did not hear about it on the radio. But it's part of us. It's something that we are living in our daily lives. So, I will witness about Jesus with my life and with words, if necessary. Words are just additional. The most important thing, it's my lifestyle. Remember, you cannot separate your, your witness from your lifestyle. You know, it reminds me of this, uh, of this old man. He was eating some rotten eggs. And here comes this young boy. He said, oh, go, go. Grandpa, you are, these eggs are rotten and, and they are smelling. And, and, and the, the old man, he looked at the young man, he said, yes, they are smelling, but I'm not eating the smell, I'm eating the eggs. I mean, you can't separate a rotten egg from smelling. You can't separate the smell from the rotten egg. The same thing with us as Christians. You can't separate the gospel from your lifestyle. 
We, we are witnesses. We are part of this gospel that you are talking about. And, and that gives us an advantage. If I say I'm eating an orange and this orange is sweet, who can argue with me? I'm the one who is experiencing the sweetness. I'm the one who is eating the, the orange. Nobody can argue with your personal experience. If you say I was a drunkard and God saved me, Jesus saved me, now I no longer drink. Who can stay near to that? You know, to that. At some point you say a young man who said, I was blind. Now I can see. Who can argue with him? When we leave this gospel, nobody's going to argue with our experience. So we have to be men of integrity, men of character, if we want to truly represent Christ, if we want to truly witness for God. Number two, we have to be relevant. Let's look at Peter. I want to see, uh, to show you something here. When Peter was with the Jews, he wanted to make sure that he is relevant to them. He does not speak a language that they do not understand. Because sometimes what I've noticed is sometimes we make a mistake as Christians. We speak things that people do not understand. We become irrelevant to them. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 38 to 14. Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We see Peter here as we are speaking to the Jews. He spoke the language that they, they understood. We know that Jews, uh, they were a monotheic society. They believed in one God. And, and, and that is very, very important because when Peter said, tend to God, all of them, they understood that he spoke, he's speaking about the one true God. He's speaking about Jehovah. That is the only God that he's talking about. But then, in other situations, where we have uh, polythe polytheic societies, where they have many gods, it may not, that message may not mean the same thing to them. When you say God, it may not mean the same thing. And sometimes as Christians, we make mistakes that we expect non-believers to understand our language. And sometimes we let non-believers, you know, especially in the political realm, we, we expect them to behave like Christians or to make decisions that, 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 are, that align with Christianity. That will never happen because they are just politicians. They are not believers. They are not Christians. It's just unfortunate that we have a lot of people, you know, who are in politics, but they are not Christians. And they are not there to represent us. That's why we find it so hard and so difficult when they, miss, when, they, when they make decisions that are against our faith. Maybe it's time that we get some Christians also seriously involved. So they will speak the language that is needed over there because sometimes we, we, miss, uh, we misunderstand each other. The politicians speak their own language. We as Christians speak our own language. And we wonder why they make decisions that are against our faith. Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan he once said something. He said, if you do not make a decision, someone will decide for you. And it may not be the decision that you like. He, 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 he gave an example or an illustration of what happened with him. He said, the other time I wanted to, uh, I went to a cobbler. I wanted this guy to make me some shoes. 
And when he went then, and he asked him, can you make me some shoes? He said, yeah. And he started to measure him, and he got the right size. And he asked him a very simple question. He said, do you want a, a square-toed shoe, or you want a round shoe? A round-toed shoe. And Ronald again said, oh, I never thought about that. You know, give me a time. It was on Monday. Give me a time. Give me some time. Let me go and think about it. Then on Tuesday, he called Ronald Reagan. He said, Ron, did you make a decision on what type of a shoe you want? You want the, the one that is, uh, that is round in front or you want the one that is square? He said, you know what? I have never thought about it. Let, let, me, let me think about it. I'll have to check with my, with my dad and hear what is his opinion. Wednesday, he called him again, and he had not yet made the decision. On Thursday, he received a call. The guy said, oh, can you come and collect your shoes? Your shoes are ready. He said, oh, they are ready? Yeah, they are ready. <laughs> but I have not yet made a decision. Said, well, just come and collect your shoes. And what, when, he, when they found that his shoes were, were ready, and he wanted to know, so how did he decide? He found that one shoe was a square-toed shoe. The other shoe was a round-toed shoe. And that's when Ronald Reagan said, if you do not make a decision, someone will decide for you. And it may not be the decision that you like. And that's why we have people who are not Christians making decisions for us. And most of those decisions are not the decisions that we want. Because we are like a cat that wants to catch the fish, but it does not want its paws to get wet. So we, we don't want to be part of where the decisions are made. So sometimes they will speak the language that we do not understand or that they, you know, that they do not understand. And we have to understand that people who are not Christians, there are things that they may not understand when we talk to them. Let's look at Paul. Paul, he, he went to Athens, and in Athens there were thinkers or philosophers. And what he found there was, I mean, there was a different community altogether, totally different from the Jews. This community, they, had, they believed in many gods, who call them polytheistic. They believed in many gods. And what they did is they had a lot of gods. You know, they, they believed that there is a God for everything. They believed that there is a God of peace, there is a God, you know, of rain. There is a God for almost everything you can think of. God of wealth. You know, if you want to be wealthy, you have to pray for, to, to that God. God, of, I mean, for safety, if you want to be saved, you have to, to pray to that God. They believed they had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of God. So they, they would even build altars for these gods. But then... Because they believed in, in so many gods, they said, maybe we might have forgotten another god. We might have forgotten another. So they built an altar, and they said, this altar is to an unknown god. That god that you might have forgotten. That god that you may not know. Because you don't want to make that god angry. So in Acts chapter 17-23, we see Paul when he arrived there. Bible says, for as I was walking, he says, as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. 
This God whom you worship without knowing is the one that I'm telling you about. I mean, they believe that there is a God for everything, but probably there is another God that we do not know. And Paul comes in and says, I want to bring a solution to that God that you do not know. I want to introduce that God to you. I want to introduce that God to you, the God that you did not know. Now you see that Paul he spoke so differently from, uh, from Peter. Because here he knew that these people, they, they know many gods. And he said, I want to bring in the other God that you do not know. You know, I was a teacher for some time, I think for about 10 years or so. There is one principle that we use in teaching. The principle is, when you teach your students, you have to move them from the known to the unknown, from the familiar to the unfamiliar. And the same thing, that's what we need to do also when we are witnesses, when we witness to people, we have to move them from what they know to what they do not know. Sometimes we speak a language that people do not understand. You go to people who have never read, the, they can't even spell the word Bible, and you talk about justification. You talk about uh, eschatology. You talk about righteousness. They have no idea what you're talking about. We have to be relevant. We have to talk to them in the language that they will understand. I mean, at that point when Paul says, yes, you guys, you admit that there is a God that you do not know. I want to introduce that God to you. Which philosopher, who will argue with him at that point? Nobody will argue with him because he was, he was speaking their language. So it's very, very important that we be relevant also as Christians or as witnesses. The last one is, we have to recommend or point people to Jesus. We have to point people, as people have questions, why they have those unknown gods, why they worship uh, animals, why they worship trees, why they worship other things to the unknown gods, here comes an answer. Why people have questions in their lives, they are not sure about their future. They are not sure about where they will go after this life. Then we bring Jesus as an answer to their questions. Let's look at Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. Paul, and Paul says, For I decided that while I was with you, I will forget everything except one thing, Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. He says, when I'm there, I only introduced to you Jesus Christ. I didn't talk about any other thing. I wanted to make sure that you guys, you know Jesus Christ. And that's what God wants us to do. We have to point people to Jesus. Everything must be about Jesus. In John chapter 12, verse 32, the reason why Paul says that is because Jesus says, and when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. When we lift Jesus, when everything is about Jesus, Jesus is the one who will bring people to himself. We, we cannot convince people to come to Christ. Actually, Jesus put it very clear in John chapter 16, verse 18. He says, and when he has come, it was talking about the Holy Spirit here. When he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You will never win people by argument. It's only the Holy Spirit who can convert. It's only the Holy Spirit who can change the lives of our children. It's only the Holy Spirit who can change the lives 
of our brothers and sisters. It's only the Holy Spirit who can change the lives of our neighbors. The reason why the fishermen would only fish at night, it was so that their shadows will not show and scare the fish. So they had to wait until evening when there is no shadows. Then they will be able to, uh, they, should be, they will be able to, 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 to catch the fish. Unfortunately, as Christians, we have our own shadows. And as long as you put yourself between people and Christ and you are in between, people will see a shadow. They will see, they will see your, your failures. They will see how you misrepresent Christ. And they'll always point at you as the obstacle for them from repenting. Do not let your shadow overshadow Christ in your life. Let people see Christ through you. Recommend people to Christ. Point people to Christ. Don't point people to miracles. Point people to Christ. Jesus did not come here to perform miracles. He did not come here to be a magician. He came here to save people. He died for people. It's unfortunate that there are people who still go to church for miracles instead of going to church for Christ. Instead of following Christ for, for who he is as the Messiah, as the Savior of the world. Jesus said, He's the way, the truth, and the life. Look at this uh, illustration. It says, I called you to win souls, not to win arguments. Come on, stop fighting over doctrines. You don't have to argue with people. By the way, you can't even convince a single soul to come to Christ. You don't have those powers. It's only the Holy Spirit who can do that. All of us, we are saved because the Holy Spirit convicted us that we are sinners and we need a Savior. The people who are not saved, they have their own challenges. And some of them, their challenges, it's because they feel unloved. And we can tell them that Jesus loves you. We don't have to argue with them. Some of them, they feel rejected. Some, they feel hopeless. Some, they have no hope for the future. Some of these unbelievers, you know, they live with guilty conscience. Actually, every unbeliever, they live with a, a guilty conscience every day of their lives. They may accept it or they may not accept it, but they feel guilty always. And some people, they try to do good because of guilty. They are trying to remove the guilty feeling that they have. Some, they, you know, they even try to save nature. Some, they will even start organizations trying to save elephants, trying to save whales, trying to save animals out of a guilty, guilty conscience that maybe after I have done good to humanity, after I have helped uh, the homeless or I have helped so-and-so, then maybe I will feel strong. I will feel guiltless. And some, they start some non-profit organizations out of guilt. Some do community work out of guilt. We can point them to Jesus and say, your guilt, your sin can only be washed, can only be forgiven by Jesus Christ. There is no amount of good work that you will do that can remove that guilt that you are feeling. It's only Jesus who can do it. So we have to point people to Jesus to be the true witnesses. Let's look at John chapter 1, verse 45. Here we see a situation where we had Philip, after he has met Jesus, he ran 
And he went to invite Nathaniel. But Nathaniel did not believe. He was so skeptical. And we see Philip pointing Nathaniel to Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 45. It says, Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, Oh, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And here comes Nathaniel. He says, Nazareth. And he exclaimed, Can anything good come from Nazareth? If it was you and me at that point, we would have started to argue. Yes, he's from Nazareth. Yes, I have seen him. Yes, he has performed this miracle. He didn't even want to argue with him. He just said, come and see for yourself. Come and see for yourself. And that is the message that we should go and tell the people. Point them to Jesus and say, come and experience for yourself. Come and see for yourself. We see the woman at the wall, at the well, in John chapter 4, verse 28. The Bible says, after she, has, she had an encounter with Jesus, she ran. The Bible says, the woman then left her water pot or her water jar, went her way into the city, and started to shout and said to the man, Come, see a man who told me all things that I have ever, that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And verse 30, the Bible says, Then they went out of the city and came to Jesus. People will come to Jesus when you point them to Jesus. This, just imagine this woman. It's a woman who had about five men. She had five husbands. She, had, she was married the first time. The relationship failed. She got married the second time, the third time, the fourth time, and it all failed. And the one that she had at that point was not even her husband. Probably she had given up on this thing of marriage. Just imagine in that whole community, the whole village, the whole city, everybody knew her. And nobody even wanted to befriend her. When she went to the well, she was just by herself. I'm sure the men of that city, the men of that village, they will say to their wives, please don't go with her. She, she does not have good character. She's not a good woman. And probably there is no man who also wanted to marry her. Or no woman wanted to see her husband with her. Standing with her. Probably they hated her. They didn't want to hear anything from him. But she did not want to go there and represent herself. She went there and started to point them to Jesus. And she said to them, come and see. That should be our gospel. To tell our people, come and see. Come and experience. Let's not even intellectualize the gospel. We don't even have to argue with them. Our only message is come. And see, come and experience. Nobody will argue with your experience. People will argue with you when you want to present, to present yourself as the big shot, as the main person. Our prayer today is, let's pray that God will help us to be true witnesses that represent Christ through our lives and through our mouths. Through our lives and through our mouths. We tell people, come and see. 
That should be the message. Come and see. And we should also pray for our families. Especially for those that are not saved in our family. All of us, we have people who are not saved in our families. Our uncles, our brothers, our sisters. We pray that the Holy Spirit may convict them. We don't have to argue with them. You will never win anybody to Christ through an argument. Don't try to convince them. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Your job is to share Christ with them. Your job is to live right. That's your job. Share with them and pray for them and allow the Holy Spirit to do His work in their lives. Amen?